morning. So, as you heard, today we're reading Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 10. Things God hates. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God for his word. And thank you, Marilyn. If you have a Bible or you could take a pew Bible, please um, open it up to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, right near the middle of the Bible, right um, after Psalms. A number of years ago, Meg and I met a woman who told us a hair-raising story from her childhood. She said that whenever her family would visit a tall building or a, a, um, you know, a lookout at a national park, she would let her dad hold her by the ankles and dangle her over the precipice. And we said, why on earth did he do that? She said, he wanted to teach us that we could trust him. And then he would pull me back and say, and you can trust God even more than that. Now, I'm not sure if that was a wise parenting thing to do. I don't plan on doing that with my kids. Um, but it certainly taught this woman a lesson about trust. And the text before us in Proverbs today urges us to trust God that much. to Trust God completely. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's scary, even when we think we know better, trusting God completely is actually the safest way to live. It's actually the best way to live. It's actually the way of blessing. It makes the most sense to trust God completely. It's what we were made for, to be in a relationship with the God who made us, a relationship of complete surrendered trust, just like a child with their father. That's what we want to do. Look at the way this passage is structured in your Bible. There are five groups of two verses each, verses 1 to 2, 3 to 4, 5 to 6, 7 to 8, and 9 to 10. In each of these groups of verses, the first verse tells us something we should do to trust God, and the second verse tells us the result of doing that. Look at verses 7 and 8, for example. Verse 7, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. That's what we're supposed to do. Now the result, verse 8, This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. All five of these chunks of verses are saying the same thing, which is when we trust God completely, we find him completely trustworthy. That 
We are to trust God because that's how we receive his blessing. The problem is that this is hard for us. It doesn't always come easily to trust God, especially when there's risk involved. Something inside us wants to hold on to a little bit of control to say, I, I just want to, uh, I don't want to put my weight fully on him because, um, because um, I need to take care of myself too. Or I just need to keep my options open in case God doesn't really come through for me the way I want. We like to hold on to control. We like to think that, that we know better than God in some cases. But, or maybe we fear that if we totally trust God, we'll miss out on something good that he's not going to give us, that we can get on our own. We need to trust God completely. And, and if I could boil this message down to one sentence, it's trust God completely and you will find him completely trustworthy. Trust God completely and then you will find him completely trustworthy. So let's look at Proverbs 3 to find out how to do this. And let's pause and pray as we get going. Teach us, Lord, from your word. We're listening. Our ears are open. Um, Help us to hear and to understand what we uh, see in Proverbs 3 this morning. And please make us wise people who trust you completely even when it doesn't make sense. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first four verses of this passage tell us how we can begin to get the blessing of trusting God. Verse 1, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. Just a heads up, something we will see often in Proverbs is that Two lines of poetry will work together to create one thought. What's the thought here? Do not forget my teaching, that's saying it negatively, but keep my commands in your heart. So together we understand he's saying, um, don't forget what I'm telling you. In fact, do the opposite, internalize it. Get it so deep within you that it's written on your heart. Let it be embedded on your mind and heart. Verse 2 gives us the result of doing this. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Do you believe that? Does God's word actually give you a longer and better life? I see some heads nodding. That's a good thing. Well, that's what it says. The word here for peace in verse 2 is shalom. If you've heard that term before, you know it means not just like a peaceful, easy feeling, like the eagles would say, but wholeness, completeness, wellness in every sense. The kind of life that you are all looking for and trying to get. The kind of life we're all trying to get. Wholeness, completeness, goodness. That comes through internalizing God's word. Verses 3 and 4 kind of intensify and repeat this idea. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. 
Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Uh, We might put it this way. Wearing a cross around your neck as a necklace, as a way to show you love Jesus, is good. But having that love for Christ in your heart is better. That's where it needs to be. Yes, our outward actions, but also our inward inward, um, you know, the core of who we are. In, in Hebrew, the word heart is not our feelings, not just our emotions. Your heart is like the control panel or like the dashboard of your whole life. Everything that happens in your heart affects how you live and what comes out of you. So if God's word is in your heart, you will be able to trust God. You can't trust what you don't know, Right? You can't trust God if you don't know Him, if you don't know His Word. So we can begin to trust God more by encountering His Word and by letting it soak into us deeply. You know, the author Dallas Willard said that you can't take a shower by sprinkling a few drops of water on your head every, every hour. Right? Or every once in a while. You'll never get wet enough to take a shower. And in the same way, if our experience of God's Word is limited to Sunday morning or a few minutes every morning, and then we go about our day, it'll never soak into us. It's good to come to church and hear a sermon, but then let it get inside you. Talk about it. Think about it. It's good to read the Word in the morning or whenever you do it. But don't just close the book and go on with your life. Let it soak into you. Think about it. Reflect on it. Ponder it. That's how I believe the Word of God can get internalized into us. And more importantly, don't just think about it, but act on it. As you do what it says, it will become closer and closer to your heart. Well, when God's Word is inside of you, then you can do what it says in these famous verses in verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. These words are on calendars and coffee mugs and many of us know them by heart. If you don't, you should memorize this verse, these verses. But what do they actually mean? Sometimes people think it means if we just feel enough trust toward God with all of our hearts, then um, God will make life work out the way we want. Well, it's not exactly what it means. Note that the word all appears twice here. First, trust God with all your heart, which is to say trust him completely, with everything you are, your mind, your will, your actions, your feelings. Don't say to God, I'll trust you this much or up to this point or in this particular area of my life, I'll give you my heart, but trust him, in, in, trust him completely. Often God's ways don't make sense to us. Trust him anyway. The Bible is full of stories like this. When people chose 
sometimes reluctantly to, to trust God when he asked them to do something crazy. Abraham left his home, his people, his, his, his inheritance, and he traveled hundreds of miles to follow the call of God to go to this undisclosed location. That's pretty crazy. Um, Moses went up against the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh, with a stick and said, God says, let my people go. That doesn't make sense, right? Gideon. Um, Gideon brought an army of 300 men against an enemy of thousands at God's instruction. Ruth, remember Ruth? She chose to stay with her dead husband's mother and forsake um, a marriage and a family in her own people and perhaps be a widow all her life. And the Bible is filled with stories of like this, people choosing to step out in faith and trust God and not lean on their own understanding. And you know what? In every single case, God came through. God, God blessed them. Abraham became the father of faith. Moses uh, freed the people of Israel. Gideon saved his people from their enemies. Ruth got a spot in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Trust God completely. Now, it may not be that dramatic in our lives, right? But let me give you a, a perfectly um, common example that may happen to all of us. Let's say you get a scary test result from your doctor, right? Your natural way your way of wisdom or the world's way might be to, to research as much as you can about this condition and to start worrying and fixating on this problem and start, start diagnosing yourself and planning, okay, what's life going to look like in 10 years when I have this disease, right? And worry and, and fix and think. God's way is to not worry, to trust Him, to take it one day at a time, to trust Him with your life. And you know what? There is more joy in that way. That might not sound like a, um, a very spectacular example, but there are tons of times in life that our way, the way of our common sense or our wisdom, um, we, need to, we need to forego that and, and choose to trust God instead. Um, and don't think that God wants you to chuck out your reason or your common sense. Proverbs itself is full of proverbs that teach us to be, to be shrewd and thoughtful and hardworking and to go through life with our eyes wide open. But here's, here's the nub. Here's the, 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 the crux. When your way goes this way and God's way goes this way, which way do you choose? What do you do when God's word contradicts your heart? When there's something you really want, but God's word says um, no. When you're tempted to, to do one thing and God's word says no, which way do you take? Well, the path of trusting God is to say, even though 
um, uh, even though I think I should go this way, I'm going to follow you. And, and it's one thing to say we trust God, but verse 6 shows that trust is more than words. Trusting in God means in all your ways submit to him, which is to say in every part of your life, your finances, your relationships, your sexuality, your work, your health, your free time, you might think, that's pretty confining. I can't put all of those things under God's authority. I need to have something for myself. But if you think that way, you're, you're missing the fact that God's way is better. God wants to bring you joy. God wants to make your path straight, to take obstacles out of your way doesn't mean life will be easy, but it means he will guide you on the right way. The rest of this passage shows two more very practical ways of trusting God completely. First, in verse 7, it means turning from sin. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. The person who is wise in his own eyes thinks, He knows what's best, and he can get himself a better life than God can. So so often, the sinful things we do, we're kind of trying to use them as shortcuts to something good that God will give if we follow him, right? We think, well, I, I um, I want a relationship with romance and sexual fulfillment, but I... I I can't get married, so I'm just going to skip that part and get what I want. Well, the the person who fears the Lord doesn't even consider sin as an option because they know that a shortcut through sin is a dead end. And actually, a better life is found through doing it God's way. Verse 8, this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. This is like life is better and richer and fuller when you do things God's way. So I just encourage you this morning, if there's a sin in your life that you think is making you happy and you're kind of at war with God over this thing, like, God, I I want to do it your way, but this sin is really... um, Um, it's really working out for me. It's really making me happy. Please know that it will not make you happy ultimately. And God's way, the way of trusting God means to, to shun evil and fear the Lord. You know, um, in 2016, researchers at Harvard University published the results of a 20 year study, um, trying to correlate church attendance and, um, physical health. So, so they studied both people who attend church regularly and, and occasionally, and then people who never attend church. And they controlled for variables like pre-existing health conditions, so they're not comparing healthy Christians with unhealthy secular people. But do you know what they found? There is a high correlation, not just a little, a lot, a big correlation between church attendance, and physical health. 
right? Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. I mean, things like um, lower levels of depression and suicide, that seems pretty reasonable. But also, less cardiovascular disease, significantly less um, uh, lower blood pressure, better immune function, and many other things. So I don't think this is just figurative language. I think, I think fearing God, obeying Him, trusting Him, actually is good for, you, for your body. He made your body, right? He should know how it works. Now, look at the next and last uh, practical way to trust God completely. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. The Old Testament stipulated that um, individuals should give God out of the first fruits, that is the best, the first of what they, they made. Now, if you were a farmer, it would mean giving you know, selling the first part of your harvest and giving that money to the temple. Um, but if you, if you take the first part of your harvest and give that to God, you don't know how good the rest of your harvest is going to be, whether it'll be a good year or a bad year. So this means don't give God your leftovers. Give Him your best. That's a very practical way to trust God. Very practical way. Um, there's a story of a farmer. I don't know if this is true, but it's a story of a farmer who had cows that had calves. So he had two calves that were born. He came to church. He said, Pastor, I've just had two calves born. I'm going to sell one of these calves and give the proceeds to the church. Uh, Well, the next Sunday he came back looking very sheepish and said, Pastor, I'm sorry, but the Lord's calf died. Isn't it true of us that so often when money gets tight, the first thing to go is our generous giving. Our tithes, our offerings, supporting missionaries, you know, giving to the Lord's work. We would rather make sure that we have everything covered for ourselves, and then if there's some left over, give that to the Lord. But this is challenging, but, it, but it's telling us give to God out of your first and your best. Make it like the first line item in your budget. Meg and I have some good friends who for decades have committed to doing this. Um, they have given away so much of their money that they got audited by the IRS one year because their charitable deductions looked fishy. There have been years, there have been months when they did not have enough coming in to even cover what they were giving to, and yet every single month God provided. And they have had a rich and full and blessed life. Look at the results of doing this. Verse 9, oh, sorry, verse 10. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Sometimes we think that The path to a good life is to earn lots of money, hold on to our money, save our money, and spend our money on ourselves. But actually, it's the opposite. 
when we are generous, when we honor the Lord with our money, then our, our, our barns will be filled to overflowing, our vats will brim over with new wine. Now, in those days, wine was made by filling this elevated container, this vat with grapes, and then um, a lower, tr- a lower um, vat was connected with a conduit, so when you pressed the grapes in the top, the, the juice would run out and fill the lower vat. This is saying that your vat will not be big enough to hold all of the, the wine that is pressed. And in fact, the, the term new wine here refers to just the juice that dripped out of the grapes before they were even pressed. Right? This is like insanely abundant, over-the-top blessing. It could be figurative language. God doesn't always give us tons of money or tons of stuff, probably for good reason. But it's talking about abundant life. Blessing. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Do you believe that? I think if we really believe that the path to abundant, blessed life is through trusting God, we would trust Him completely. A good way to diagnose the level of your trust is to answer this question to yourself. What would you be willing to risk to trust God? Would you risk your financial security to honor God with your money? Would you risk being lonely or not having a relationship you wanted if it meant obeying the Lord and trusting Him? Would you risk your reputation in order to be known as someone who is a follower of Jesus? Would you risk giving up free time in order to devote time to seeking God and reading His Word? What would you risk out of trust for God, and then that will show you how much you trust Him. Do you trust Him completely? There's always risk involved with trusting God, trusting anyone. And it may feel like you're being dangled by the ankles over a cliff, but God will not let go. Jesus is always faithful. Psalm chapter 9, verse 10 says, Those who know your name, O Lord, trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. So I urge you to trust God completely and find Him completely trustworthy. One of my favorite movies is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It's my birthday, okay, so I I I get to share what I want. I'm going to close with this illustration. If you've seen that movie, you might know what scene I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe. Near the end of the movie, there's this scene where Indiana Jones has gone through a series of booby traps. He's trying to find the Holy Grail, this lost treasure. And finally, he comes upon a deep chasm um, near a stone uh, lion's head protruding from the cliff. He looks down, there's like a bottomless pit about 50 feet across. He can never jump across this cliff, right? Then he consults his little, his little uh, treasure guidebook, and it says, 
Only in a leap from the lion's head can a man prove his worth. And he says, oh, oh great, it's a leap of faith. He looks down and, um, you know, his dad has been shot and needs the, needs the Holy Grail so he can be healed. So he, he gathers his, his uh, thoughts and he takes a deep breath and he lifts his leg, his left leg up in the air and begins to just pivot and lean out into the, into the abyss. And at the last second, his foot comes down hard on something solid, on a stone bridge. And the camera moves and you can see this, this stone archway that has been hidden by an optical illusion in the, in the rock. And he, he, he laughs and he feels relieved and he walks across this bridge to find the treasure that he seeks. There is great treasure in store for us on the other side of trusting God, of taking that leap of faith. But we will only know it to the extent that we place all of our weight on Him, on His promises, on His care. And isn't that what we do as Christians? If you trust in Jesus, you're saying, I stake everything on you, Jesus, my sin, my hope of eternal life, my, my hope in this life and the next is all, it all hangs on you. And if you can say that, you have a truly blessed life indeed because those who trust Jesus completely find him completely trustworthy. So let's pray. Lord, We've heard these words, we, we maybe believe them to different degrees, but I pray that you would um, prove to us your trustworthiness. Let us know that tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. Thank you, Lord, that we trust you, a person, not a set of principles or laws, but we trust you, and your hands are firmly holding on to us, even when it feels like we're hanging out over a cliff. So Lord, I pray that we would know the joy of trusting you completely. And I pray that each person here would find a new way to trust you this week and take that step of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>